Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. We've been talking about success. What does God say that success is? And we've looked at the world's idea of success, God's idea of success. We've looked at all different definitions and angles of success in the Bible. And today I want to conclude by talking about constant success or long-lasting success or continuing success. Can I be in God's success all the time? Can I be walking around in a bubble, in a cloud of God's success my whole life? You might say that sounds a little strange, and I'm going to show you two important points today. The first is when we angle or position ourselves or aim ourselves towards God and His success, it enables us to walk in His success no matter what is going on around us. And secondly, if we just stay plugged in, if we just do not let go, if we abide in the vine, if we just stay in God, as long as it takes till the very end, even through ups and downs, if we just say, I will not let go, then I can always walk in success. So let's look at the first passage, which is so important and so helpful. I really want to say this is one of the most important talks I have ever given. Wow, what a big build up, Greg. Let's read it. So it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to start from verse 11. He says, Paul is writing to the Corinthians. He says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. He says, I know the devil's trying to get me. Verse 12, furthermore, when I came to Troas, which is a little town on the western coast of Asia Minor, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. So Paul is a little bit unsettled. He gets to this place, Troas. His main helper and partner, Titus, is not there. The Lord has opened a door for him for ministry and, and some great things to happen. But he just is disquieted in his spirit. He, he doesn't quite know what to do. So he leaves. Verse 14. Now listen to this. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Paul says in the midst of this confusion, uh, he's being vulnerable with the Corinthians. He's saying, look, I, I was struggling. I didn't quite know what was going on. I, I was trying to work out God's plan and I couldn't quite work it out and I left. But then he says... But in the midst of that, God always leads me and leads us in triumph or success or victory, continuing success, constant success. God always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Not only am I walking in a bubble of God's success, but it is affecting people around me. The fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. The fragrance of his knowledge in every place. In every place. When I'm confused, when I'm confident, when I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, when I'm not sure where I'm supposed to be, 
when I'm doing things well, when I am doing things not so well, I am living continually in triumph. He always leads us in triumph. Now, Paul didn't know if he was being led here. He was unsure. God's opening a door, but Titus isn't here, and I'm not really sure. But God always leads us, even when we're not sure he's leading us. He always leads us in triumph, continuing success, constant success. Um, in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. And I want to just focus on that today and unpack it and try and understand it. But let me read the rest of the passage before I do that. Verse 15, for we are to God. And if you have a Bible in front of you, underline those two words, to God. We are to God, the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So he's already mentioned the devil is trying to get us. Now he mentions God. We are aimed or focused or looking up at God. We are to God, the fragrance of Christ, among those who are perishing and those who are being saved. There are other groups now. There's the devil, there's God, and now there are those who are being saved and those, those who are perishing. And our fragrance, this, this amazing triumph of Christ that's in us, is affecting all of those. We are to God, the fragrance of Christ, but it's a fragrance that's affecting those who are being saved. They're getting closer to God. It's affecting those who are perishing. They are realizing they need salvation and some are choosing against God and the devil is being defeated. An amazing thing, but those two words, to God, are the key. You see, when I focus at the devil, whatever I focus on gets bigger in my life and I make him bigger than he needs to be. I do fight him, but it's always when I'm focusing towards God. When I focus at the saved and I say, you've got to get more saved. You've got to come closer to the Lord and I love you and I'm laying down my life for you. And my ministry is for you. That's a good thing to do. But if I'm focused on them, they will let me down. Titus didn't come and I will get discouraged. These are worldly measures of success. Are people with me? Am I achieving my goals? Am I getting glory and recognition? Do people like me? Do I feel successful? These are worldly measures. And Paul says there's a different measure, the triumph in Christ, the fragrance of Christ. And it comes from being focused towards God, not towards the devil, not towards the saved people who just because they're normal people will let us down. And sometimes, sometimes the sheep will bite the shepherd and it's not very nice. He says, no, I'm not focused at the devil. I'm not focused at the saved. What about the lost? Sometimes, especially when we're starting a new group or a new church or a new ministry, we think I've got to be winning the lost. And we go out and we witness to them and we try and convince them to come in and we do our best efforts to love them and attract them and, and bring them into the kingdom. And sometimes they don't want to come in and we feel like we are not a success. But Paul says, when I am focused towards God, we are to God, the fragrance of Christ. That fragrance affects the saved and the perishing. I wonder if you're getting this kernel of absolute gold in the middle of this truth. It is so important and so precious, especially if you're wanting to do ministry for God, but also for anything you do for the Lord. Is it in your marriage, with your kids, uh, in your job, in every area of your life, every area this applies. We are in constant triumph. He always leads us in triumph and success 
as long as we are to guard the fragrance of Christ and that fragrance affects the others around us. Let me read on. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. In other words, to those who are choosing against God, you may be serving God absolutely perfectly. You may be producing the aroma of the knowledge of God to people. The, the fragrance of Christ, the beauty of Christ's fragrance. You may be doing an exactly correct job and you're focusing on the Lord and he's leading you in triumph and it's working, but there will be people who choose not to follow God. He says to some, we are the aroma of death leading to death. Some people will choose against God. You know, of all the thousands, many, many thousands who followed Jesus while he was walking around doing miracles, at the end of his life, after he died and risen again, there were only 120 left in that upper room, which means thousands had fallen away or stopped following him. And he wasn't phased about that because he says, I'm focused on what God wants me to do. To the one we are, the aroma of death leading to death. We don't want them to perish. God doesn't want them to perish, but he allows them to choose and he says, just be the fragrance of Christ and then don't worry if they choose against him. It's not you they're rejecting, Jesus said, it's me. And to the other, we are the aroma of life leading to life. To those who want to be saved, to, to those who are hungry for God's word, that fragrance of Christ brings more life and they grow in Christ. And this is the key for you. If you're in ministry, if you're a parent, if you're a boss, whatever it is you're doing in your life. Maybe it's just in your prayer life, uh, your little efforts to witness to people, whatever it is you're doing. If you do it to God, we are to God, the fragrance of Christ. If you are aimed at God and you say, God, I want to be the fragrance of Christ to you. And we're going to look at what that means in a minute. But if we do it to God, those who are being saved will grow. Some who are not wanting to be saved will turn away and you mustn't let it worry, worry you. And the devil will be defeated. Absolutely beautiful. It's an amazing thing. And then he finishes verse 16 by saying, who is sufficient for these things? You see, if we look at ourselves and our own abilities and our own strengths or the worldly definition of success, we say, I'm not sufficient for this. I can't be the aroma of, of Christ to God or to people or to the devil. I can't do this. And if you're in ministry or you're doing the Christian walk, right now for God, and you look at yourself, you will say, I am not sufficient. But if you look to God and you say, I just want to be the fragrance of Christ to you, Lord, he says, God will use you. For we are not, verse 17, as so many peddling the word of God. He says, we're not doing it for all these other reasons or motivations. You know, there are some people who take the world's definition or measurements of success and they just impose it on ministry. The world says, if you get rich, then you are a success. And some people think that ministry is a way to get rich. Paul says, no, that's not right. That's not going to work. It's not the reason. Uh, some people just want glory or affirmation or, or to, to be seen to be great. And, and he says, no, that's not it. It's, it's about God. It's about God. He says, we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Did you get that? We speak in the sight of God. Paul, when he's leading a small home church group, 
He's speaking to them. He's loving them. He's encouraging them. He's using all the skill and all the sensitivity the Holy Spirit has given him. But all the time, he's seeing God. He's saying, I'm doing this to you, God. We speak in the sight of God. We speak from God and we speak in the sight of God. God, it's for you. These people, some of them will be perishing and they will choose to reject me. Titus may not even come to the meeting. Some will grow in Christ. But you know what, God? I'm just the fragrance of Christ to you. It's in your sight. It's for you. Worship leader, when you're leading worship in front of a crowd, you may be tempted to think they're all there for you and they're lifting their hands to you. You say, no, I'm not tempted for that. But it creeps into our minds. And we need to understand, I'm doing this for God. There's an audience of one. And if that fragrance that starts to spread affects others, some who turn away from God and some who get closer to God, that's great, but that's not why I do it. I do it for Him. Friend, when you're studying the Bible and you're trying to get closer to Him and learn from Him, and you say, nobody is appreciating this. Nobody is realizing how much I know. God says, don't worry, you are to God the fragrance of Christ and the fragrance spreads to the others and it affects the world around you. Parent, those times when you're praying and you're thinking, my child is not responding, do it to God. Worker, when you're working hard and your workmates are slacking off or being dishonest or or trying to get cut corners and get around things and you're working hard and you feel like the boss doesn't recognize and maybe you get slandered and mistreated and misunderstood. You say, I'm doing this for you, God. It's in the sight of God I do it. I am to God the fragrance of Christ. And the fragrance spreads. And we don't always realize how that fragrance has spread. You know, at times in my church life, in my church ministry, when I'm standing up at the front of the church, there are many times I have said, does anyone have a testimony of something good that the Lord has done in your life? And we get a few testimonies, two, three, four. But you know what amazes me is sometimes five years later, 10 years later, somebody will come to me and they will say, you know, in that service, I was healed. In that service, God restored my marriage, my mental health. God gave me an insight. God did this. God did that. God did amazing things. And I say to them, why didn't you say it at the time? We asked for testimonies. Why didn't you say it? And they say, well, I don't know. You know, we don't realize and we won't realize until heaven all the ways that that fragrance has spread. There's an amazing story of a lady who takes an alabaster jar full of fragrant perfumed oil and she pours it on Jesus's feet and then she wipes his feet with her hair. Now it appears in all four of the Gospels, but I believe it's at least two different occasions because on the one occasion, it's in a Pharisee's house, a very high society meal, and this sinful woman, a prostitute, comes in and does it and the fragrance spreads into the whole room and people start criticizing her. She's crying in worship, but the fragrance is spreading and the Pharisee is criticizing her. Uh, That's the one event. The other event, it's probably Mary, out of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, the the siblings. It's probably Mary in the house of a man called Simon the leper, and she does the same thing. And the disciples criticize it. They say, this 
jar of fragrant perfume could have been sold for a year's worth of wages. That's many thousands of dollars or pounds worth of money that's just been wasted in worship. Jesus said a couple of important things. He says, the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. In other words, focus on me and helping the poor comes out of that. Focus on me first. The second thing he said is this thing she has done will always be remembered and spoken of whenever the gospel is preached because it carries eternal significance. This worship of hers for me and this fragrance will go on forever. It is so important. People will remember it in heaven and on earth for as long as the Bible is being read. Amazing. Amazing. She just thought she was worshiping. She didn't think about all the people and all the ramifications of her ministry. She just focused on Jesus. And the third thing is it says that the fragrance filled the room. Filled the room. There were people there who were perishing. There were people there who were being saved. And the devil was there trying to stop Jesus. But he was just, the, sorry, she was just focused on God. And all of those were affected by the fragrance. Friends, you don't know how your fragrance, the fragrance of Christ through you is affecting people around you. And we make the mistake of taking our eyes off Christ. We start off saying, Lord, I want to worship you. I want this fragrance to be for you. But then we see some success and we start to put our eyes on the success and try to try to use worldly methods to get worldly success. And we say it's for God and it probably is, but we need to get our focus back onto Christ and say, Lord, whether it's succeeding or not, I'm focusing on you. Or we get opposition and we see people turning away and rejecting Christ and not receiving our ministry. And we say, I must be doing something wrong. Let me change my tactics and my methods. And he says, no. Or we focus on the devil and we just say, let me just fight the devil. And he says, no, focus on me. We are to God, the fragrance of Christ. We speak in the presence of God. I hope that's helpful for you. Let me just tell you a little bit more about this town of Troas. So the first time that Paul arrives in Troas, Acts 16, verse 6, it says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. So Paul is traveling with Barnabas and, and various others, and they're trying to go into um, this area of Asia, and the Holy Spirit says, no, don't go there. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Then they thought, well, let's go here. No, we're not sure where we're going. We're wandering, trying to serve God, trying to do what he's told us to, to do, which is spread the word, disciple people, plant churches. We are to God, the fragrance of Christ. And we're confused. We think we're supposed to go there. No, no, no. Verse 8. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after we had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So the first time Paul arrives in Troas, he is confused. He doesn't know God's will or guidance. He just knows he's supposed to be planting churches, but he doesn't know where or how. And then he gets this vision to Macedonia and he goes. It was a fleeting visit. How long he was there, I don't know. At least one night, but maybe more than one, maybe a couple. He wasn't there long, and yet God was spreading his fragrance in that place. 
I'm going to show you how. The second time was this time we've just read in 2 Corinthians 2, where Paul arrives, verse 12, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, this is now about five years later, he's coming back. A door was opened to me by the Lord, but I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. Again, he maybe spent a little time there. How long? I don't know. He probably waited. Is Titus coming? He didn't have texts or emails, so he wasn't sure where Titus was. I, I expect he waited about a week. Again, he's praying, he's serving the Lord, but the outward signs of success are not there. And yet God is spreading his fragrance. And then the third time is in Acts 20 verse 4, about a year later. Verse 6, sorry. But we sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and in five days joined them at Troas, where we stayed seven days. This is now his third visit to Troas. Uh, about five or six years after he first visited there, he's had two fleeting visits. He wasn't aware that God was spreading his fragrance, but God was. And now he goes back there a few months later. Verse 7, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread. You see, God has done something there. Paul was confused. He was unsure. He was trying to serve God, but God was spreading his fragrance. When the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Now, that's a, that's a strong church that they're willing to listen to him talk so long in a sermon. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together, and in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, embracing him, said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten, and talked a long while, even until daybreak, he departed. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. God is spreading his fragrance. It looks like a disaster. Somebody's fallen out of a window and died in our church. And God is spreading his fragrance. Why? Because Paul is not looking with his physical eyes at the normal measures of success. Someone dying in your meeting is not a good successful thing to happen according to the world. But God says, if you focus on me, my fragrance spreads. And then lastly, 2 Timothy 4 verse 12. This is right at the end of Paul's life. Uh, when he's an old man, uh, about 10 years later, he's been imprisoned. He's had terrible hardships in all of these years and right at the end of his life. Let me just read you what he says just before this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. He says, I've finished my race. You know, earlier on in his life, in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, I don't want to be disqualified. I want to run to win. Even if everyone else gives up Christ, I, I buffet my body, he says. I train myself and I discipline myself so that I will stay plugged in and I will never leave Christ. And in this last chapter of 2 Timothy, he talks about all his associates who've left him and deserted him and, and haven't kept following Christ. But he says, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. He stayed plugged in. Continual success requires us to stay 
in the race, even if we're struggling, even if the earthly signs of success don't seem to be there, I'm focused on Christ and I will not let him go. And then he says in verse 12, And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus, Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Friends, right at the end of his life, in 66 AD, Paul is about to die. And he writes to Timothy, he says, come to me, it's the end of my race now. But go to Troas, and I've left my cloak with Carpus there. He's got friends there, he's left clothing there, and he says, bring the books and the scrolls, the parchments from Troas. Paul considered Troas such an important place that he left his writings, the writings, friends, the writings. He left his writings in Troas and his cloak. And he says, right at the end of his life, go to Troas because God has done something. God has established a church. What is this all about? God's purpose for you and me is to focus on him, to worship him, to serve him, to love him, to be his fragrance in studying his word, in sacrificing ourselves for others, in preaching his word, uh, in loving people, but all the time focused on him and not on the evidences that we see around us. When we do that, we are to God, the fragrance of Christ. Let me read it to you again. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph even though the physical evidence may not suggest that. He always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I know he's diffusing this fragrance. For we are to God, the fragrance of Christ, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We focus on God. We serve him. You know, that incense in the Old Testament that burned in the tabernacle, in the holy place, day and night, burning incense, beautiful. When Noah made a sacrifice to God, it says the fragrance came up into God's nostrils and pleased him. Uh, in the Old Testament, there was a plague and they got the incense and they went out and the plague stopped because the incense was the presence of God. In Ephesians, it tells us that Christ is our sacrifice and aroma pleasing to God. We put on that cloak of, of Christ's sacrifice and we are an aroma pleasing to God. And then in Revelation 5 and 8, it says that in heaven there are bowls with the prayers of the saints, which are incense, a smell going up to God. Your prayers are a fragrance. Friend, live your life for God. Live your life to God. Serve Him but also serve people. But all the time, we're doing it for him and not for them. And God will spread his fragrance all over the place. And you will be amazed when you get to heaven to see this crown of reward that God gives you, which is the result of the fragrance of Christ. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.